Ignition sequence start. The reason I'm prepared for this position is because I've been preparing for this all my life. As far as boogie, boogie, boogie. He's our guy. We still got boogie, boogie, boogie. Our goal is still to win a championship. T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. Being in a win-now situation, that's great. I'm a win-now coach. Six. Boogie, boogie, boogie. Vintage DeMarcus Cousins game as the Rockets crushed the Mavericks 133-108. Really great games from everybody down the line in a Rockets jersey. What's up and welcome to another episode of Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, and you'll get 20% off your very next order. Order. As always, I'm your host, Jackson Gatlin, native Houstonian and the founder slash managing editor of ClutchCityControlRoom.com, your home for all things Houston hoops. You can follow me on Twitter at JT Gatlin, the show, of course, at Locked on Rockets, as well as the blog at ClutchCityCR. This game, I remember going on Twitter like 30 minutes before this Rockets-Mavs game, and I was like, you know what, I'll just post up a poll really quick. How are the Rockets going to do? Blowout win, close win, close loss, blowout loss. Guess which one won? I mean, the the blowout loss column was absolutely the far and away leader, and there were a handful of people that chose blowout win, and if you were one of those people, if you chose blowout win on my little, little Twitter poll that I did before this game, kudos to you. Because I would not have had that level of confidence going into this game with no Christian Wood, no Victor Oladipo, still no Daniel House Jr. Now, John Wall did make his return. And that's the important bit, is John Wall came back and and he unlocked a lot of things for this offense. DeMarcus Cousins even saying so. In his post-game interview, uh, which we'll hear a little bit later on, Cousins talking about what John Wall means to this team. But, um, you know, it, this this game did not look like it was going to go this way. Uh, but down the line, the Rockets had some really, really strong performances. Season highs from both Eric Gordon and DeMarcus Cousins. E.G. pouring in 33 points. The most points he's scored as a Houston Rocket since his 50-burger up in Utah. DeMarcus Cousins, 28 points, uh, 17 boards, 5 assists. Uh, 9 of 15 shooting, 4 of 8 from behind the arc. A really, really strong way to respond in this game uh, after the the struggles that he had in the Pistons game and really just the struggles through the better part of the early season. It helps, too, that he finally got a somewhat favorable whistle in this game, 6 of 7 uh, at the charity stripe, so 7 trips to the free throw line when he had, coming into this one, I think he'd only had 22 trips to the free throw line uh, across the entire season to this point. So it was great to see Cousins actually getting the whistle for some of the fouls that are absolutely committed on him inside when he's, you know, playing that interior game. So seeing him actually get some trips to the free throw line, but just, you know, the shots that he was getting, he was playing with a little bit more poise inside, um, utilizing his power occasionally to, you know, bump guys off of him. And rather than trying to play faster than, you know, his defender, he was just using his size to, to his advantage. As far as Cousins goes, 
you know, there were a lot of people that were were calling for his head saying, you know, to that the Rockets need to cut him, that he needs to get benched, that he's unplayable. And I firmly believed that that was not the case. And I advocated as much here on this very podcast by saying, I just don't think he's being utilized quite properly. Um, I think there's just situations in which he could be, you know, he needs to slow the game down a little bit, needs to use his size a little bit more rather than trying to play over the top of defenders or trying to uh, play fast. Faster um, than than the defenders that are guarding him, um, and and ultimately one area that I really thought it was going to boil down to was the return of John Wall, and the uh, of all Demarcus Cousins' two man lineup splits, uh, the only one with a really positive net rating dis- besides a very small sample size of KJ Martin Jr. was John Wall, and, and they had a net rating of almost nine points, uh, you know, plus plus nine point something when they were on the court together. And something about that relationship kind of, I don't know if it settles, I don't know if it settles DeMarcus Cousins, whatever it is. Um, and, and we'll hear, we, or I apologize, we did hear from John Wall post game him saying that, you know, he, he, Keeps bo- like he keeps Boogie in check. Like like they they they're not afraid to call each other out on stuff, and that's the dynamic. That's their relationship, and you know this dates all the way back to their college days. That's just who they are together. And Wall being able to hold Boogie accountable and maybe kind of you know get him out of his own head when he's struggling offensively, or kind of e- even just throughout this game. We saw points where Cousins was, you know, getting ready to go set a screen or, or go, you know, moving to do this offensively, and John Wall was just waving him off, like, "No, get get out of here!" Like, like, you know, and having that floor general back, being able to, there were so many possessions where John Wall was just handling the rock and just actively, okay, you go over there, you go over here, you come set the screen, like waving people around, guiding traffic, doing what a floor general is supposed to do. And they didn't have that when John Wall wasn't out there. Like, yes, they had Eric Gordon and Victor Oladipo who were handling the rock. Yes, they were still, you know, calling for screens and stuff. But they weren't organizing players. They weren't putting guys where they're supposed to be for maximum success. And we saw that with John Wall. And even though John had a really quiet game, all things considered, uh, just seven points, eight assists, uh, only attempted nine shots with three and nine for the fl- from the floor. Didn't hit a single three-pointer. Only went to the charity stripe twice and only hit one of them. Uh, those eight assists were big, and he only had one turnover off those eight assists. So he was orchestrating, he was facilitating for the offense, getting everybody some easy looks, and that's what you know was really sorely missing with John Wall. And not to mention the fact that he was playing um, some really stellar defense. You know, and it, look, it's his first game back. He's going to be a little rusty offensively, but there's so many weapons on this team now, so many different players who can kind of shoulder the load offensively that John Wall doesn't need to go out there and pour in 20 points a night for this team to have a chance to win. Um, now, is Cousins going to go off for 20-plus every game? No. Is Eric Gordon going to have a 30-burger every night? No. But they'll also have Victor Oladipo and Christian Wood back, and once those guys are back, once they have a truly healthy line, up. There's so many different scoring threats on this team, so many different options, um, and that's the the crazy thing is that throughout the 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 currently the post James Harden era, the Rockets have played six games. Right, they're three and three in these six games, and a couple of those games were decided by a you know a couple possessions or less, or really just a couple possessions, uh, losing the Suns game by six points, losing the. Uh, what was it? It wasn't the first Spurs game. Why am I blanking on this? 
Uh, oh man, this sucks. Which game did they lose by? Hang on, I'm bad at this. Oh, I should know this right off the top of my head, and I don't. The Bulls game, there it is. All right, Bulls game by five points. Um, that's what I get for not having my Rockets schedule up and trying to do everything from memory. Uh, but seriously, losing the Suns game by just six points, losing the Bulls game by five points, just not quite having enough at the tail end of those games to to pull away with the W, they could have really been 5-1 and one in this stretch. Um, you know, we've seen them play some really competitive basketball. The The second game against the Spurs was was kind of an outlier, I think, because they really, you know, they were very much in that game until the DeJounte Murray run at the very tail end. Um, and they were also running, you know, Rodion Kuruks, you know, as one of their eight players that game just so that they could have enough bodies to actually play. So I think despite all of the lineup issues, despite everything that we've seen out of this team, they're really showing that this is a talented group of guys, right? And I'm actually starting to kind of think that this team, like I'm not I'm not going to go out and say that this team has a chance at the chip, not yet. But this team is a playoff team. Like that's kind of where I'm at right now. This team is absolutely going to be a playoff team. They're turning things around. Um, they've got, and the most important part is their next like 10 games on the schedule are against uh, eight teams that are either at or below 500. So their next 10 games, they've got the Wizards, the Blazers, the Pelicans. Uh, Then they've got, hang on, that's not what I want. There it is. Uh, Wizards, Blazers, Pelicans. Then uh, back-to-back against the Thunder. Uh, Well, not not a true back-to-back, but, you know, one of those little mini-series against the Oklahoma City Thunder. Uh, Then they've got the Grizzlies. And then the last four, uh, they've got the Spurs again, the Hornets, the Pelicans again, and then the Miami Heat to wrap it all up. Eight of those ten teams are below 500. The Rockets could really go like seven and three or like eight and two over this stretch of ten games and find themselves right in the right in the middle of the playoff hunt in the Western Conference. Because hey, it's been a wacky season, but since the James Harden trade. The Rockets are actually number 10 in defensive rating since 113 in the NBA. And they're number 18 in offensive rating. So, I mean, they need to iron out the kinks offensively a little bit. But part of that is they haven't had John Wall. And having him back, having that floor general back, it's going to make their offense look significantly better. Getting that two-man game running again between John Wall and Christian Wood, getting you know more reps between Victor Oladipo and Christian Wood, their offense is not going to be a problem. Like, Silas is going to figure that out. He's an offensive coach. The fact that they're top 10 already in defensive rating is where it's at because, hey, if they can actually climb that ladder and get to be top 10 in defensive rating and top 10 in offensive rating, this team is absolutely a playoff team. And they're not just a playoff team like they're going to get in there and get bounced in the first round. If they're comfortably in the top 10 of both categories, this is an actual team that has a chance to make a little noise in the playoffs and and you know potentially go on a deep run. So we'll see how that develops. But I mean, as far as the, the rest of this game, I've got so many different areas that I want to dive into in this one. Uh, I want to talk about you know what the what they were able to do defensively against the Mavericks. I want to talk about EG's big night. Uh, Mason Jones had another good game. David Nwaba and, and and Sterling Brown their their defensive presence. KJ Martin Jr. We're going to talk about all of that coming up in just a moment after a quick message from our friends over at Built Bar. Let's talk protein bars for a second. Look, Built Bar has so many amazing, delicious flavors, 18 to be specific, to help the the new year, new you, achieve any of your your new year fitness goals or uh, weight loss regimen. Whatever you're working on, Built Bar can help you. Look, these bars, too, they're they're not like traditional protein bars. 
They are covered in 100% delicious chocolate. They're soft. They're easy to chew. They're they're not chalky or gritty like some other protein bars on the market. These things are basically candy bars that are jam-packed with protein. They're great for the health-conscious person. Maybe you're trying to lose some weight. Maybe you're just trying to stay where you're at. They're low-cal, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, amazing for a keto diet. And you can check them out. Just go visit BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. And you'll get 20% off your very next order. So again, that's promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. And continuing on here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Be sure to tune back in later this week as we will be joined by none other than uh, Rockets Wire editor, podfather himself, Ben DuBose, as well as Kelly Eco of The Athletic uh, will be joining us a little bit later this week. So that's going to be fun. Always wanted to get Kelly on the show, uh, talk some Rockets hoop was, hoops with him, kind of what's going on with the team, the, the post-James Harden era Rockets, all that good stuff. But let's hear really quickly from DeMarcus Cousins first and kind of his thoughts on John Wall and what he presents to this team. Uh, I mean, he's the engine to this team. So uh, he gets everybody going. He gets he gets, uh, gets the ball moving around. He makes the game easy for everybody. The, the pressure that he uh, continues to uh, constantly put on the defense is it's a tough thing to deal with for an entire night. So uh, whenever John Wall's on the floor, easy shots are available for everybody. So there you have it. John Wall is the is the engine of the team, right? And that's that's so important to have. And we really saw it on display in this game. Even though John Wall didn't have a phenomenal personal game, um, he just he was orchestrating things, getting easy looks for everybody. Um, Eric Gordon has been, you know, he's had one of the better starts to a season than you know in recent memory as a Houston Rocket. And on the way to 33 points, uh, you know, 10 of 17 shooting, shot 6 of 9 from behind the arc. I'll let you get a couple nices in there. Um, so EG had a really strong performance, and it, it's the issue with him is it feels like at times he's either not had the 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 driving ability. He's kind of diminished at times where he just wasn't finishing at the rim at a high rate, but his three-point shot was there and readily available, or vice versa, where he was finishing at a high rate at the rim and his three-point shot was just MIA, like it just didn't exist. And that's kind of where we've been at with the start of this season is Eric Gordon has been finishing at the rim at an absolute elite rate, best in his career. Last I remember pulling the numbers, he was finishing all his shots at the rim at like a 79% rate or something like that, which is unbelievably good. But now it looks like he's slowly getting returning to form with that three-point shot. And if Eric Gordon has the three ball falling and if he's finishing at the rim at a high rate, he is a handful to guard. I mean, he is one of those borderline all-star caliber players, um, which is why Eric Gordon as like the third option on a championship team has always been a really nice piece to have because reasonably when he's got the shot falling from outside, his ability to finish inside, the, the fact that he's an excellent defense player like all those things rolled into one he is a really really solid piece on a on a team with championship aspirations and so seeing this kind of you know vintage eg performance alongside the vintage demarcus cousins performance was really really cool especially in the absence again of victor oladipo and christian wood he was just you know he was getting the rim almost at will he was shooting the ball really really well um and the thing about eric too is It'll be interesting to see what direction the Rockets want to go with him, but with him playing, you know, 
this way, if he continues to play well, all it's doing is building his trade value. And, you know, Eric Gordon is one of those interesting pieces alongside John Wall where, you know, the Rockets are kind of, they're, they're teeter-tottering between, you know, a full-blown rebuild or remaining, you know, competitive at the current level that they're at right now uh, and trying to, you know, make some noise this season. So, you know, if, if the goal is to make some noise this season and Eric Gordon continues to play well, I really don't see why they would, you know, attempt to trade him at the trade deadline, just kind of let him play out this year, uh, continue to put up really big numbers and hopefully finish on a strong note. And then they could turn around and deal him this summer if they really want to um, after after the postseason run. Or, hey, maybe the, maybe he'll play out his contract as a Houston Rocket. It'll be really interesting. But it's fun to see Eric Gordon out there. He had a monster slam in this game. Uh, and really, it's it's been a couple years since we've seen him that healthy, right? With so much explosion, being able to get that lift off of his legs, um, finishing at the rim. Again, seeing Eric Gordon dunk the ball is always incredible because it looks like, you know, it looks like he sometimes can't quite clear the rim. He gets up there so aggressively and then he has to kind of like yank the rim down as he's dunking. I don't know. It's it's just, it's awesome to watch. Um, but another guy who is uh, definitely doing his own level of, uh, of flying around out there was KJ Martin Jr. who had the absolute block of like the decade, the century. I don't know what, it, but just his block <laughs> on Boban Marjanovic. I was like, my jaw like hit my desk. So, and Craig Ackerman with the most amazing call on that, which I wasn't able to, to track down the video because I wanted to throw the call here in this podcast, but, uh, you know, saying that KJ Martin climbed Mount Boban and blocked him at the apex is such an amazing call by Craig Ackerman. Uh, and seriously, that highlight video is insane. KJ Martin has absolute bounce that kid I you know I said during the game that he is flying out there like he is defying gravity to jump that high he is six foot six inches and he blocked seven foot four Boban at the cup like and his head was like almost level with the rim like how high he was up there it was unbelievable to see um, and you could kind of see him cheesing up to, uh, you know, a possession or two later, he was shooting free throws. The dude's just, you know, Martin's just got this big smile on his face, like so excited about being able to block Boban. He got another block later in the game too. A couple of them actually. And I think that's one of my main takeaways from this one is KJ Martin Jr. is a surprisingly good defensive player. Like he's got good defensive instincts as a weak side shot blocker. Um, and that's that's absolutely what you want to see out of a guy with with uber amounts of athleticism like him is, you know, yeah, there's some shortcomings in his game. He's not that great of an outside three-point shooter, um, kind of in a similar vein to David Nwaba, who we'll talk about in just a moment. But, uh, you know, as far as K.J. Martin Jr. goes, you know, it, th- this Rockets team is deep. I don't know if K.J. Martin Jr. is going to get consistent reliable minutes moving forward and I think that's going to be the issue that Silas finds is he's going to have to make some tough decisions on who doesn't make the rotation and who does make the rotation once he's got all his all his players readily available but it's really nice to be able to go deep into your bench like that maybe on a night where there is you know kind of a blowout taking place and actually know that you're going to find some production from KJ Martin Jr. Um, now he also did have eight points shot three of nine from the floor did miss his two three-point shots but he finishes well at the rim you know he had a, he, he had a, a really solid dunk um, we kind of you know pulled the rim down and and Matt Bullard commenting that he he plays like a like a lefty so like he jumps and finishes better going to his left than he does to his right. 
Um, and that's exactly what we saw on his on his highlight dunk from the night where he just you know beat his man off the dribble, got straight to the rim, threw it down with the left hand. Um, you know, Martin is a he's a good young player, and if he can ever at some point develop that shot and get it to to someplace reliable, he'll have a consistent spot in in the Rockets rotation or some rotation further down the line. But the fact that the Rockets, you know, bought a pick, paid millions of dollars to scoop up KJ Martin Jr. in the second round of the draft, it just shows that the Rockets have a really, really talented uh scouting team or 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 that Rafael Stone is doing an excellent job with the scouting team because uh, previously with Daryl Morey, they didn't have an official like scouting team. They they didn't they kind of canned that and they focused on like the advanced metrics for certain players and stuff like that. So, but Rafael Stone seems to have done a phenomenal job with these young guys finding players that that other teams overlooked uh, rather stupidly. Shout out Mason Jones, undrafted, uh, who had 16 points on six of eight shooting in this one. Uh, Dallas native Mason Jones, uh, so didn't didn't really show any jitters in this one. Had, had himself a really solid game, but uh, I want to talk about I want to talk about David Nwaba. I want to talk about Mason Jones. I want to talk about the lineup moving forward, and and also what we're seeing out of this team defensively because I think that's where this team is finding so much of its success is, is turning defense into offense, and you know really getting those stops is what's allowing this team to build these substantial leads. And we'll talk about that in just a moment after a quick message from our friends over at BetOnline.ag. Super Bowl is right around the corner with the Kansas City Chiefs taking on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. NBA season is in full swing and Major League Baseball is right around the corner. And look, there is only one place that has you covered and one place that we here at Locked on Rockets trust, and that is betonline.ag. You can sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use our promo code LOCKEDON, that's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, for a 50% welcome bonus with your very first deposit. Look, you can throw some big money down on the Super Bowl. There's great games every single night in the NBA. Same thing for MLB once it gets here. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. It's time to get in on the action. And don't forget to use that promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your very first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. And final segment here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball, discussing the Rockets' 133-108 thumping of the Dallas Mavericks. And look, it, first off, it's always great to beat Dallas. It just, it just is. It feels good. Um, but the Rockets, they, they were in control from the jump in this one. And it's great to see in back-to-back games coming out really strong against the Pistons and then on the second night of a back-to-back against the Dallas Mavericks without two of your best players in Victor Oladipo and Christian Wood. To be able to come out, jump off, you know, jump out to that 38-27 advantage early on. Um, even in the first quarter, PJ Tucker had a couple early fouls, had some early foul trouble, unfortunately, in that first quarter. Um, but Boogie Cousins really put his stamp on this game early, um, and the Rockets never trailed. They, they, the, the Mavericks never led. Uh, the Rockets led by as many as 27 points, and they were pretty much in control for the entirety of this game. The Mavericks matched the Rockets in the second quarter, 32 points apiece, but then the Rockets came back, had a really strong third quarter, 34-24, to 24, and then they wrapped things up in the fourth, 29-25, and really, this game was over at the start of the fourth quarter. Um, Rick Carlisle kind of waving the white flag a little bit by by you know inserting some of his younger guys at the top of the fourth and 
Shout out Coach Silas, who could have easily just rested his starters the rest of the way, but you know, based on their limited amounts of on-the-court time together, he actually inserted you know Cousins and Wall and Gordon back into the lineup so that they could get some more reps in the fourth quarter. And I thought that was a really smart move by by Coach Silas to kind of put those guys back in so that they can get more real game reps, even if it's against the Dallas Mavericks, you know, third string. You know, actually being out there, getting those reps on the court together, it's so important for these guys to be able to continue to gel and really coalesce as a team. Now, David Nwaba and Mason Jones are the two guys that I want to talk about really quick. Um, And first off, David Nwaba, I continue to be so impressed by him. 18 points, 6 of 7 shooting, managed to hit both of his 3-point attempts in this game, shot 4 or 5 at the free throw line, just unlimited amounts of hustle and energy in this game. And my thing with David Nwaba is what we saw before is we just saw... You know, the the starting lineups with David Nwaba just felt a little messy. Um, But as far as him coming off the bench, it feels like his role is a little bit more clearly defined. And my thing about him coming off the bench, and it's not, you know, Nwaba can probably find success as a starter, sure. But in the bench units, it's, you know, let's face it, bench play from most teams, you know, whether it's the Rockets or the teams that they're playing against, tends to be a bit more scattered. It seems to be a, li- a little bit less organized, a little bit more chaotic, um, more opportunities to wreak havoc on the other team because you're up against the second stringers, because you're up against, you know, lesser competition. And when you have a chaos agent out there like David Nwaba, who's able to disrupt passing lanes, who pressures ball, you know, uh, ball handlers, you know, full court pressure for some time, you know, cer- certain possessions, just when you have that defensive irritant in David Nwaba, who's able to generate, you know, e, you know, generate turnovers and generate easy points off of those, he just gets plugged in and he's able to, you know, thrive in that lineup. Whereas as as starters, there's less of that, uh, there's less of those easy opportunities to uh, to really cause havoc for the opposing team. Like, you, you know, you're still going to, he's still going to be an, a great individual defender, but offensively there's less times for him to create turnovers. There's less sloppy play that he can take advantage of from the other team. And it, it also boils back down to that three point shot is just, you know, in the starting lineup, not having a, a three point shot threat or somebody who can, you know, effectively and reliably create off the dribble consistently either for himself or for others can kind of lead to some you know gummed up offense here and there so I just really think that he has found his role as the you know as one of the Rockets bench bench guys coming off the bench with that junkyard dog mentality playing excellent defense, hustling every single possession, really love what he's bringing to the table now, and really, he and Sterling Brown are kind of that tandem bench duo. Uh, Sterling Brown, a bit of a quieter game in this one, just four points on two of six shooting, but still playing excellent defense, and I really do like what those two guys are bringing to the table as far as the Rockets' bench brigade goes and what they bring defensively, and even Sterling Brown, who's, you know, yeah, he missed his two threes in this one, but he's shown that he's been a reliable three-point shooter, the most reliable three point shooter out of that trio of Brown, Tate, and Waba. So, you know, he'll 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 be fine moving forward. I'm not going to panic about him. But the other thing we're seeing is we're seeing Silas messing with his rotations and getting things getting guys lined up out there in in lineups that make a lot more sense. And what I really liked was we had a stretch in this game where they were running the uh Sterling Brown, David Nwaba, uh, Mason Jones, KJ Martin Jr., and I believe Jay Sean Tate was out there as well. Kind of the the Tate wagon lineup, if you will. 
And I loved that lineup because what that did is that gave you four really solid, competent defenders all surrounding a probably a net negative defender in Mason Jones. Like Mason Jones has not shown a lot of competence def- or competent competent competency competency. There we go defensively. And it's understandable. He's a rookie. He went on, I mean, you know, he, he's, he's young, he's raw, he hasn't quite developed those defensive instincts, and he doesn't quite have the athleticism that those other guys in that lineup have to just be a naturally gifted defender. He's going to have to work to just be a neutral defender in the NBA because Mason Jones is not the most gifted, you know, athletic player in the association. So seeing him out there with four plus defenders around him in a lineup that can actively switch everything is great because it's a great way to hide Mason Jones. And I think that Silas is slowly learning and finding the spots where he can have, you know, it's really tough to have Mason Jones and Ben McLemore out there on the court at the same time. One, because then you're you're basically saying that Mason Jones has to be your de facto ball handler. Um, ben McLemore is not that guy, unfortunately. And then on top of that, you have two uh, you know, at least with Ben McLemore, maybe you can say he's a neutral defender at this point, but he also does have some defensive lapses here and there, and he's definitely not a plus defender. So you, you're kind of uh, making yourself susceptible to the, to the opposing team and what they're trying to do because you've got Mason Jones, who's a negative defender out there, uh, Ben McLemore at the same time, just not a good recipe for success. But if you're taking a guy like Mason Jones, who, can abs- who is an absolute walking bucket, I mean, I just... The guy can absolutely put the ball through the hoop at a, at a high rate. Does needs needs consistent minutes really moving forward. He does, um, and that's where this kind of boils down to is the conversation of should it be Mason Jones or should it be Ben McLemore moving forward? And I'll get on that in a second. But putting those four plus defenders around Mason Jones and giving him that freedom to where they can then switch everything makes life a lot easier on him to where he he knows that he's got you know coverage, that he can switch all the pick and rolls really easily. Um, it kind of masks his defensive deficiencies. And then offensively, he gets to run the show. Um, really, really, again, just impressed by Mason Jones and what he's done so far. I think that in the Pistons game, he showed uh, a little bit of, of hesitancy, kind of, um, and didn't, you know, he, he really just... I think that's the issue that he's got to overcome is he's got to learn that if Silas puts him out there, he wants him to shoot. He wants him to play aggressive. You know, he only got three minutes in in the Pistons game, and I don't think that was because, you know, he's not capable of playing. It's because he hesitated, passed up a couple good looks, and Silas benched him immediately and was like, dude, like, no. Like, I need you out there to shoot the ball. That's what he is so good at. And I've even harped on it occasionally is that he passes up some really, really good looks. Um... So hopefully Mason Jones is getting, you know, getting that confidence, getting that wind under his wings to realize that, hey, Silas is trusting him to go out there and not only run the offense, you know, as like a primary ball handler, but to go out there and to just fill it up, you know, get as many shots up as possible. Again, he had 16 points on six of eight shooting in this one, three of four from behind the arc. The dude's just got such a sweet looking shot. Um, And I really think that I guess between him and Ben McLemore, I mean, it's a small sample size so far from Mason Jones, but he's giving you essentially what Ben McLemore gives you offensively as far as the shooting goes. But he's a little bit bigger, he's younger, um, and ultimately he's a better ball handler than Ben McLemore, and he's got better court vision than Ben McLemore. So I think that that's definitely a, uh, a factor moving forward when you're looking at these two guys and who 
should really get the consistent minutes between the two of them. I'm not ready to cast Ben McElmore aside, but at the same time, I think that Mason Jones might just give you a bit more of a well-rounded offensive player than Ben McLemore does. I mean, he is he really is. He's kind of baby Harden a little bit, right? Like the way that he plays a little bit is, is very reminiscent of, of James Harden. And so now they've got two baby Hardens on the roster in Mason Jones and then uh, Kevin Porter Jr., who also is another baby Harden. So maybe Rafael Stone is just going to keep going around the NBA and finding these little, uh, these little. well, I guess Mason Jones isn't a southpaw, so maybe KPJ is a bit more of baby Harden. Um, but, you know, he's just going around finding these guys that are, are talented, you know, low risk, very high reward players. And it's important to note that Mason Jones is still on a two-way contract. So the Rockets do still have a portion of their non-taxpayer MLE to be able to turn around and they could offer Mason Jones a legitimate full-blown NBA deal, uh, you know, up to three years. Uh, that way they can secure his bird rights, similar to what they did with Jay Sean Tate, how rather than bringing Tate over on a traditional uh, rookie deal or a one-year deal and just kind of seeing how he pans out, um, they opted to lock him down for three years. And so if they you know, if Mason Jones continues to impress, I really don't think it's going to take long for Rafael Stone to sit down, ink an official deal with Mason Jones. That way he can be a Rocket for the foreseeable future and that the Rockets will then have his bird rights further down the line to be able to offer him, uh, you know, as much money as they need to to convince him to stay in Houston long term after his three-year deal is up, which would align him again with Jay Sean Tate and Christian Wood as far as their respective three-year deals. Um and I mean, I guess just moving forward, you know, it's going to be really interesting to see how Silas Alec actually balances the lineup moving forward because hopefully, uh, not hopefully, planning, the, the Rockets are planning to have everybody available except for Daniel House on Tuesday night against the Washington Wizards. So our old friend uh, Russell Westbrook returns to town for the first time uh, since last season. That'll be an interesting uh, matchup. The Wizards missing uh, two straight weeks worth of games. <laughs> Uh, due to COVID-19 testing protocols and and contact tracing and positive tests and all that stuff. So they played their first game in over two weeks uh, Sunday night, and they lost pretty uh, spectacularly. So, you know, it'll, it, it should be an easy win. Uh, it'll be great to see Russell Westbrook back in Houston and, and hopefully hand him a fat L upon his return. But seeing Silas and how he plans to... Uh, kind of manage these minutes moving forward. I'm hopeful that he continues to kind of limit the minutes for John Wall and Victor Oladipo. Uh, they've got enough depth to do it. They really do. They've got enough support and depth to really, they could keep those guys hovering around the you know, 28, 32 minutes a game mark uh, unless it's close down the stretch and you, you really need your starters uh, to close out a game. Then absolutely, you're right, you want to start racking up the Ws, especially if you've got uh, playoff hopes moving forward. But... As far as once they get that whole lineup out there, um, seeing John Wall be able to orchestrate a, a, a healthy lineup with all those different offensive weapons, uh, seeing Jay Sean Tate, seeing, seeing if he continues to be the starter. Um, I think that when Daniel House comes back, their best case scenario is to at least bring House off the bench at first and kind of see how his production looks in that role. 
Um, and then maybe you can make an argument that he should take back over the starting spot. But ultimately, I've been really happy with Jay Sean Tate in the starting lineup. He gives you uh, he gives you the defense. He gives you the hustle. He gives you great rebounding. Uh, you know, offensively, he seems to have found that corner three-point shot, which is really nice. Um, didn't attempt any corner threes against the Mavericks, but the fact that he's been a little bit more consistent as of late with that shot means a lot moving forward. Um, and the Rockets, just as a team, the Rockets were just utterly dominant in this game. I mean, 58 points in the paint. They they forced the Mavericks into 10 turnovers, generating 13 points. They shot 54.7% from the floor, 43.2% from behind the arc, um, 80 a little under 80% from the free throw line. So if there's an area for some improvement, would like to see them kind of clean up the free throw shooting. That's been an area that's been problematic for them, um, not so much in the Pistons game, but in previous games, um, you know, not not really paying attention to their shots at the foul line, kind of missing their easy opportunities for points. Um, and then even just, you know, elsewhere, uh, second chance points, the Rockets were on top of the Mavericks, thanks Boogie, 22-12. Uh, to 12. Mavericks only had 48 points in the paint. The fast break points, Dallas actually did outscore Houston, uh, you know, in transition, 17 to 10. But overall, I mean, this game was was all Rockets all the way, which is not what I expected and not what you probably expected going into a game without two of your best players. But look, this is a team that's got some fight. They really do. Um, and seeing how this coalesces, seeing how seeing as how these players are going to mesh together, and watching Steven Silas actually you know, have a a full roster to toy with and finding the the proper lineups to uh to really be successful with this team. That's gonna be the exciting part for me moving forward starting Tuesday night against the Wizards is finally having a healthy roster, seeing what Silas is gonna be able to do, because they've got so many great defensive tools that this team really does have all the all the tools, all the players it needs to be a top ten defense and a top ten offense. You know, the offense is going to iron itself out a little bit, and that's going to, you know, kind of work itself into shape once they have all their offensive tools available. Uh, but, man, the fact that this team is already showing so much defensively, and we're seeing so many different defensive looks is the thing, too. We're seeing Silas, you know, use a little bit of zone. We're seeing some man-to-man. We're seeing uh, we're seeing them kind of trapping some, you know, uh, blitzing pick-and-rolls. Like, he's not been afraid to mix it up defensively, and I think that's what's so cool is, you know, after years of seeing just the, okay, we're just going to switch everything. We're just going to switch everything. That's all we're going to do. That's still a part of it. That's still a play that the Rockets have up their sleeve, right, is they can go small and they can switch everything one through five, but they also have these other defensive schemes, these other, you know, they're utilizing a lot of drop coverage when Boogie is on the floor and he's playing that really smart. He, Boogie is being a vocal defender. Like anytime you watch, uh, you know, Boogie on the floor when it's in, when they're, at, you know, utilizing drop coverage where he's falling back into the paint, uh, sagging off of the, the ball handler and uh, the Rockets are fighting over those screens. He's being extremely vocal. You know, he's calling for uh, the the primary defender on the ball handler, whether to cheat under the screen or go over the screen. Um, you can go back and look at some of the highlights from the Mavericks game, and he is just absolutely vocal, anchoring that defense when he's on the floor. And that's what the great thing is about Boogie Cousins. He's got that veteran... Uh, that veteran know-how, that veteran mentality, he knows what he needs to do as the defensive anchor on that team, um, kind of being down there, seeing everything, calling things out for his teammates, and kind of orchestrating the defense from that five spot. Um, and even though he's not as athletically gifted as Christian Wood, um, even though he's a bit more grounded at this stage in his career, he's still a really crafty defender, and he's a smart defender. And seeing him in this game, you know, being able to 
you know, obviously the offense was incredible, but, you know, holding down the boards, um, you know, just being a presence on both sides of the basketball, you know, they don't need him to be Sacramento boogie. They don't. They just need him to be consistently good for or slightly above average for 10 to 15, maybe 20 minutes a night because Christian Wood is still giving you insane production. So the fact that they've got this dynamic duo, this tandem uh, twin tower duo at the five spot where as soon as Christian Wood sits down after giving you, you know, eight early points in the first quarter and five rebounds, you've got DeMarcus Cousins who's ready to step in there and continue doing the exact same thing, but just with a different mentality behind it, less athleticism, more power, uh, maybe a little bit more finesse. Um, less speed, whatever, you know, it's just great to have two legitimate big options. And I'm just, I'm really happy for Cousins, right? You know, it's got to be frustrating to be a former all-star caliber player like he was and to have to be grinding his way back from injury for, you know, the better part of two seasons now and to want to be able to do the things that he used to do on the court and to not physically be able to do them it's got to be a mental adjustment for him and I do think to to kind of wrap this all up and put a pretty little bow on it um I do think that that's where the that's where Cousins needs John Wall is that's where that relationship is going to really blossom and show itself is John Wall you know is able to keep Cousins in check to to really kind of keep him grounded um, keep him, you know, remembering, hey, you know, I'm going through it too, right? I've worked my way back from injury too. You know, we're not, you know, we're, we're maybe not the players we were before, but we can still be really, really good players for this team or whatever the mentality is moving forward. Um, and again, I, I'm just, I'm proud of Cousins, what he was able to put together in this one. Uh, and I, I wound up, I realized that I didn't uh, really touch on what any of the Mavericks did, and that's because they largely, you know, I should have, Um but Doncic had a, had a solid game, uh, you know, just more Luka things, 26 points, 9 of 18 shooting, uh, 5 boards, 8 assists, you know, just another night at the office for Luka Doncic. Tim Hardaway Jr. didn't torch the Rockets, which was awesome, uh, after, you know, hanging uh, 8 three-pointers on the Rockets the last time that they played. Uh, you know, it was really great to see him struggle. Just one of six three-point shooting in this one. The Rockets deed him up way better in this one than they did previously. Jalen Brunson, who's been on fire lately for the Mavericks, um, you know, has been averaging over the last three games, he was averaging something like 16 points a night on like 55% three-point shooting. And then in this game, the Rockets held him to just nine points and he didn't attempt a single three-pointer. So, you know, they they defensively, the Rockets did everything that they were supposed to do against the Mavericks. They limited their three-point opportunities. They made things tough for them. They were, you know, really playing good, hard-nosed defense, you know, inside the jersey of Tim Hardaway Jr. and Jalen Brunson, not really letting them get, you know, any any separation from their defenders. Uh, the Mavericks only, Mavericks only shot 5 of 25 from behind the arc. I mean, it was a, a really rough shooting night for the Mavericks. Maybe if they shoot a little bit better, this game, you know, looks a little bit different. Um, but again, the Rockets weren't giving them any easy opportunities, and I think that was the big takeaway uh, was they were just dominant from from the jump. The Rockets were dominant, and this was a really refreshing game to see. Uh, easily the Rockets' best game of the season. I, I think we can safely say that this was the Rockets' best game of the season, easily the best game in the post-James Harden era for sure, uh, and definitely a game that you can absolutely build on moving forward. Um, thumping the Mavericks, 52-36. Wow, that jumped out at me just now. 52-36 in the rebounding department were the, were the Rockets to the Mavericks. Um, and that was with them playing Boban for almost 20 minutes in this game. He had 19 minutes of run. 
grabbed 12 rebounds, but really nobody else on the Mavericks securing any rebounds. And a big part of that was DeMarcus Cousins, P.J. Tucker, you know, really being active on the boards. K.J. Martin being active on the boards. He had six rebounds himself. Mason Jones, five boards. Like, really, the Rockets rebounding really, really well as a team. Uh, But again, spearheaded by the 17 from DeMarcus Cousins, which is a season high. Not a career high for Cousins, because he's got some ridiculous career highs as far as scoring and rebounding. Uh, but a vintage game from Boogie. So I think that's where we're going to wrap things up in this one. As always, thank you so much for listening, and we look forward to having you back right here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball.